Today, on the next Impact Maker, we speak to brothers who have made it their family business to take Singapore's longest-running craft brewery into a more sustainable future by upcycling brewers' spent grains into delicious bar snacks. Welcome in to the next Impact Maker. Welcome in, I'm Daphne Lim and on the next Impact Maker, we speak to people who are creating an impact, environmental, social or both, with their work, learning what seeded their journeys, what lessons they can impart to us, what keeps them motivated and driven, as well as how their work has evolved with this ever-changing landscape. Today, Tan Wee Han and Tan Wee Tak, owners of Brewworks, join us. And yes, for those who are familiar with Singapore, that's the boozy institution that sits by the colourful, light-speckled Singapore River at Clark Key. So Brewworks was one of DBS Foundation's Grant Awards recipients in 2022 for their really interesting sustainable project that they're ramping up, which they will tell us all about during today's episode. Welcome in, Weehan, Weeta. Hello, good morning. Good morning, Daphne. Good to see you. So I want to find out a little bit more about your story. Uh, you guys were the original owners of Brewworks. Give us a bit of background to the company and how this became like a Tan family business. Brooks was started by a group of American guys some years back. In fact, uh, quite many years back. It was in 1997. Over the years... Ownership change. We were not involved until several years ago, although I know the original owners. Initially, I participated in the ownership of the brand. Subsequently, my brothers also got involved and we took full control of the company about five to six years ago. Talk to us about the brand then. Brewworks started in 1997. What was the brand like when you came in? What was your impression of the brand and how it evolved when you came in? And what are you trying to do with it now? So Brewworks was uh, really successful in its earlier days, right? When it was started in 97, it was the best beer in town. It was the concept everybody wanted to enjoy what Brewworks has. This carried on for a long time until I think about 2010 when the previous owners did a few venture and opened a few restaurants and it didn't work. Okay, so it hit them really hard. The market started to change. There was a lot more competing products. Customers started to have a lot more offerings. Expectation change and the brand started suffering from then. So prior to me joining, uh, you know, I was already involved. You know, we had uh, you know regular review sessions, you know, board meetings, uh, you know, of sort to look at the business. And there was a period, uh, you know, where the numbers were bad. Uh, you know, we were losing money, and every month it got worse and worse. And we kind of started to panic because uh, you know we didn't want a situation where we had to go to our bank account and take up more money, you know, personally. You know, so we had, uh, you know, a huge discussion around what we should do. Essentially, we were down to two options. Number one, close it, okay, because it's always tired. It's too much, you know, for work to try and turn it around. And very few brands last, uh, you know, for 25 years, uh, you know, and beyond anyway. You know, or two, give it, uh, you know, our best shot and try to overhaul. So the outcome was, uh, you know, we decided to go for the overhaul. So they kind of began, you know, the pivoting, the transformation of uh, you know, us trying to change, uh, you know, what the brand was about. So as Wehan you know, mentioned, Brewworks is essentially 
uh, an all-American concept sports bar. Cuisine is, uh, you know, f- you know, full American. So you've got the burgers, you've got the pizzas, you've got the baby back ribs. They taste great, but it's just American. And it's very heavily skewed towards the male customers. You walk into, you know, a brewworks of all. It's big, it's industrial. There are kind of uh, TV screens all around, all playing sports, American football, EPLs. And then you get, uh, you know, giant portions, uh, you know, of food. Uh, very dark too. Sometimes, uh, you know, quite smoky, even though, you know, we don't have smoking anymore because, uh, you know, of what's happening in Singapore overall. So that was the concept. So it wasn't friendly to people outside that kind of target market. So what we decided to do was to showcase our Singaporean roots because Brooks was, after all, uh, rooted out of, uh, you know, Singapore. We wanted the cuisine to be more diverse, to be more contemporary. And we wanted to keep, uh, you know, the best-selling stuff, okay, because they taste great and the customers come for that. We didn't just want to kind of put aside our, you know, existing customers. And we wanted the place to be welcoming to everyone, including families, ladies. We just wanted the place to be bright and just welcoming. So it's a very different concept altogether. So to do this, we knew that a few things have to change. You know, our brand story positioning has to change from all American to more about the Singaporeanness of the brand. We had to revamp the food. We had to massively increase uh, the variety of beer that we were putting out. We subsequently went to put it uh, into cans as well. We had to change how our restaurants were designed. So the idea, and to do all these things, we had to go out and hire people that could help us execute this vision. So we had a brand new head brewer, we had a brand new head chef, and that was the time where personally I was coming off a milestone in my corporate career and I was looking at the business and I'm saying, okay, you know, let me come on board full-time to try and give it a push. So, so I joined full-time myself and that was how we kind of kick-started the transformation. So a few years forward, uh, today we're quite happy with the results. We think the brand is much stronger than before. Once we came out of the recent dining restrictions and having passed like, you know, a few months, we, we felt like, wow, the brand is stronger than even pre-COVID. And we took the brand into different places that we didn't play in before. So for example, we went into major outdoor events. We can go into a event that has got 20,000, 30,000 people brand event, uh, you know, with our beer, build an on-site kitchen, deliver food uh, exclusively. We also pursued major brand collaborations. So we've got the Sentosa uh, beer series, we've got the New Brew, we've got the beer brand at the Singapore Air Show. And these things kind of created a huge distance, uh, you know, for us versus, uh, you know, our peers. And it kind of took us out, uh, you know, from just being a restaurant or a brewery only into the space where we can kind of, uh, you know, provide solutions for corporate, for operators and kind of add, uh, you know, a higher fun factor to whatever's out there. Mm-hmm. So that was the transformation. Lots of changes, yeah. lots of challenges, it seems, over the past few years. What was that wake-up call? Because I remember you talking about that very harsh meeting that you had with your staff. I remember that we called the meeting, uh, you know, of all our department heads. And this was, uh, you know, when we were looking at the numbers and it was really bad. And that was the period when we were deciding whether to just close up or to try and do an overhaul. So we kind of asked people around the table to tell us, uh, hey, what do you like about Brooks? Okay, and what do you want to keep? And as we ran around the table, the comments were almost all negatives. Everybody felt like the brand was tired. It was all it was kind of lacking in dimension in terms of what we offer for food, not comfortable for people outside of, uh, you know, just guys. Mm. So that was, uh, you know, a real wake-up call. 
And I think you've, you've done a really great job because when I think of Brewworks, I think it's a Singapore brand, right? It's really pivoted away from that American sports culture, masculine look. Why that pivot to being hyper-local though? Weehan? I think, first of all, it's the industry that we're in. Craft beer is always a lot about story. And when we want to tell our story, you know, what more better should we tell other than Singapore? I mean, we ourselves being Singaporeans, I think we really want to expound on that Singaporeanness of us. So we felt that since we took over, I mean, we're not Americans, we are very different from the founders, all right? So we decided that, hey, let's make this really Singaporean as much as possible, all right? And I think that has worked really well for us. People connect with the brand much better. Yeah, if I can jump in, you know, with two points to the question. Yeah, so I would say that craft beer, you know, we became a lot more convinced and it's kind of what's true right now. Craft beer is always about provenance. It's always about where you're from, what's your origin, what's your roots. So when Brooks first planted itself 25 years ago, it was still an evolving space, if you will. So people were less particular. But over time, as more and more craft breweries open around the world, that's what, you know, everybody dive into their storytelling, where they have, you know, come from, where they're going. So we felt like, uh, you know, Brooks has got to tell the Singapore story, okay, and not, uh, you know, some made-up story from somewhere else because it fit into the narrative of people wanting to understand, hey, you know, what's your background? Tell me about yourself. So that was one reason. Second driver, I would say, is that we had begun to notice that uh, in the local market, there was a growing appreciation for the Singaporeanness, uh, you know, of our culture deserves to be celebrated. So we see retailers like Nice coming out, okay, and they're selling cushion covers that is made out of mahjong towels or angku kueh, and people were just loving it. And these were the kind of products that you know were getting onto social media. These were the kind of products that were moving off of the shelves, and that was like, wow, we are that, and you know we should embrace that. So we should definitely go towards that direction. So that was two of the biggest drivers, you know, for us to move towards that direction. So when we talk about the sustainability of a business, of course, that is. Absolutely essential as well. The fact that you can survive, that you can thrive, that your business is profitable so that you can continue making the kind of impact that you want to make as a business. And that, that's the other slow burn pivot that we're talking about here today. That you've had a journey in sustainability as a business as well. I mentioned this in the introduction about brewer spent grains. Explain what those are to us. Sure. So when we make beer, the process starts with fast taking barley malt, mixing it with water. We boil it, we kind of stir it in the tank for several hours. We keep the liquid, which is known as water at the point in time, for further on processing to turn it to alcohol. But what remains behind are the malted barley grains. In the process, we refer to them as brewer's spent grains because it's spent, okay, and it's grains that you know used in the brewing, so brewer's spent grains. So brewer's spent grains is actually high in protein, high in fiber, and it's a clean waste. For the longest time, brewer's bank grains have been discarded by breweries around the world and only about 14 million tons of the stuff is being discharged. So 14 million tons is 80,000 Olympic-sized swimming pool. So it's massive. This is worldwide. This is worldwide, every year. So for breweries that are closer to places where there is animal farming, then they become animal feeds. But for breweries that are not, then it becomes difficult because it's tough to transport a lot of white grains across the world. So for the most part, it goes to the landfill. So for Brooks ourselves, we generate maybe about 100, 200 tons of Brooks grains ourselves. So it's not 
very big, but it's not small. It's a couple of you know Olympic-sized swimming pool ourselves. So in the past, nobody really talked about the environment. You just assume that the uh, hey, mm-hmm. Earth was just going to take care of itself, right? Okay. So there was no real effort to try and upcycle this waste stream. Uh, in any case, to upcycle it uh, is tremendously costly because it's wet. You would have to dry it. Okay. Then the question here is, you know, what are you going to do with it? And there was no market. Uh, there exists no market, that, you know, for upcycle food per se. So the market didn't really exist. So you don't want to kind of recycle something into a market that doesn't exist. So therefore, it just gets given partially to animals and, and for the most part thrown away. But fast forward to the pandemic, everybody is aware that hey, you know, we've got to take care of uh, the environment. And green is just common sense now. And for us, we felt like okay, you know, we had to also tackle this thing because we are not the biggest brewery in Singapore. Tiger Beer is. APB is, but we are the largest property in Singapore, and that is our biggest waste stream. In the context of everything else that's going on, we want to try and tackle that. Why does it bother you, though? If every other brewery has the same problem, it's kind of a sunk cost per se, right? Yeah, so I would say two things. Number one, we want to respond to the call to be sustainable, to be eco-conscious. We want to do what's right. So we want to reduce the food waste. It's a problem and we want to reduce it. The other aspect is that it's also an opportunity because it's high in protein, high in fiber, it's clean waste. There's a lot of potential to turn this into food or sustainable foods that is also healthy that the human beings can eat. Uh, but it requires uh, processing. It requires somebody to kind of do the work to figure out, okay, how do we process this? What is the right recipe? How do we transform this thing? How do we dry it? Develop the market, get uh, you know retailers, get uh, you know food services companies to come along, and because we have a little bit of the ecosystem ourselves, uh, you know we've got restaurants, we know how to do the marketing, we've got the motivation, we've got the ways. We felt like, hey, you know, we should try it because uh, you know we are probably the most well positioned. We don't have all the solutions, but we felt like uh, you know we should try it. So. Two things really. Number one is we want to kind of help fix the food waste problem. And number two is kind of a business opportunity for us. So if we can be successful, then this becomes a new product line, a new business for us. Well, what are you turning it into? Because I've seen the granola bars. That doesn't seem like a Brewworks thing. Yeah, yeah. So eventually when we have a line of food product that is made using just bank grains, it won't be marketed or branded under Brewworks. You'll be a separate brand. There's more health, there's more eco-conscious that we will develop to market it. But essentially, Brewworks Bank Grains can be a replacement for regular wheat flour. So today, flour goes into a lot of products that we eat. So whether it's bread, whether it's a cookie, whether it's pasta, whether it's chips, whether it's noodles, it goes into all those things. Brewworks Bank Grains can replace partially those wheat flour. So when we can do that, we don't have to grow so much regular wheat. A regular wheat has got a bigger carbon footprint because you've got to grow fresh wheat. Okay, you've got to use water. You've got to kind of, uh, you know, let it generate, you know, carbon dioxide. Regular wheat also happens to be less nutritious than brewer's bank grains flour, so to speak. So the objective is to turn it into a flour product, okay, that uh, then replaces wheat flour, okay, into really all the things that, you know, we're consuming right now. And when we can do that, uh, you know, we're kind of making second use of a product so because of the second use, no water is used, okay, in trying to do that second range of products, it's healthier, okay, and for sure it's more green. An interesting fact that, you know, we discovered is that it takes 1,800 litres of water to grow one kilogram of regular wheat flour. So when we don't have to grow fresh wheat, 
to make wheat flour, we are saving 1,800 liters of water every time. Mm. I tried the nachos, I think, from yeah, your line. That yeah. was really good. Yeah. yeah. So we've got to find the right of products that would lend well to the properties of the spent grain flour. Uh, it tends to be more texturous. It tends to be more coarse. It's got a brown color. So it's got limitations. It's got constraints which is why we cannot replace you know, wheat flour one for one. It's only partial, and we could find the right recipe. But we're also working uh, you know, with a food science spin-off uh, you know, from NUS. They're called uh, Sonogy, and they're bringing their expertise in terms of uh, you know, fermentation, biotransformation, applying bacteria to the spank grains to try and enhance it, uh, to try and make it uh, you know, perform better mm-hmm. you know, when we put it into food products, and to also release uh, you know, more of the nutrient properties. So Weehan, I'm hearing the passion coming out from Weetuck. Is this just another crazy idea from your younger brother that he brought into your business and now you have just have to deal with it? Both of us have always had interest in you know green projects. At some point, we spent quite a few months studying indoor farming. We visited a lot of places around the region. The end result was no, we're not going to go into that. And then we invested in the research to make the beer yeast that we use into hydroponic nutrients. Okay, And this was done with a Japanese science company, food tech company. We spent a year doing that. We didn't continue. And when we found out that we could do a lot more with Spang Green, we jumped into it. Naturally, you probably could guess that uh, Witak is very into this. He's leading this project. All right, and he's uh, the point person for this sustainable project that we have. So fully with the support of the brothers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll believe you for yeah. that one. So we talked at the very beginning. You mentioned you came in from a really big corporate background. Yeah. Uh, Brewworks, obviously, much different setup, SME yeah. situation. Sure. What's been the biggest challenge for you with this change? Yeah, sure. So I probably had 25 years of uh, you know working for uh, big companies, Japanese MNCs, American MNCs. I did my tours around the world. And then the last five years, I spent time in a local listed corporate with a lot of uh, corporate transactions, uh, M&As, buying companies, selling companies. So really fun stuff. So coming to Brewer, coming to the family business, I would say that I knew what was in store. I knew what was different. The challenge, if I were to crystallize it, is less about what's different between big setup and a small SME. I think the challenge for myself personally was uh, how do I bring all that background, all that experience that I've seen into our family business, okay, and try and close the gap between an SME and a large corporate. So that was my personal task because it's kind of easy to complain, hey, you know, lack of resources, lack of this, lack of that. But that's not the point. The point is, okay, what can I bring to the table? So I think being in large companies, one of the great things is that you see how things are being done. In really large you know, organizations, uh, they tend to be best in class. They tend to be at the lead of practices. You observe how leaders build organizations, how they relate to people, you know, how they deal with issues and whatnot. And because I've also had the opportunity to circulate through quite a number of industries across different parts of the world, I saw quite a fair bit. So what I saw and what I learned became a little bit of a template for how I feel we could go. So I was able to have a vision of what this brand, what our portfolio could be. I was able to have a quicker sense of what the roadmap should look like. 
And because we're kind of much smaller, we didn't have armies of people. I therefore had to do many of the execution myself. Okay, and it was my job to persuade you know, my brothers that this is the way to go, and then to excite the key people in our team that hey, this is what we're doing. It was really important that we had some clarity in the new direction or in the vision that we want to kind of you know move towards. It was really important that we had you know small wins, and we built on the small wins to have you know bigger wins. So to kind of sum it up, my challenge was to bring my background and make a difference. You talked about those successes, the small wins. Weehan, for yourself, what were all those small wins that keep you going? I think over the years, certainly our brand has gotten much stronger and it didn't just become like that. We did small projects that led to bigger projects. Okay, For example, in the area of a collaboration that we did with PUB to make a beer called New Brew, this beer was made from new water. We started in 1.8, not knowing a lot about what we were going to do. The PUB came to us and said, do you think you can make a beer with this new water? We were like, okay. So I said, yes, immediately. Like on the moment I heard this, I was like, yes. Then, okay, how do we do it? And then we went to figure out, it was done in a small way. We had good small success. At the end of the day, there were a lot of issues that we have to overcome because at the brewery, you can't turn on tap and get new water. It doesn't exist, right? New water, okay, can only be found at the new water plant at PUB, right? So new water goes into the reservoir or if you are a semiconductor fabrication plant, right? doesn't come to the brewery. So we went through a lot, overcome that. It was really fun. And in 2020, when they came back to us again and said, okay, let's brew, new brew again, we were like, oh, we are going to do it, man. All right? So it became a huge success, much bigger than we could ever imagine. We got onto headline news of almost every major TV station so I think that's one success where it helps brings our brand uh, really to the front. We've tried a lot of new things in the company that were also developed from small success. I think, you know, when you have small success, you get the entire team excited, motivated. They are really willing to try. I can give you another example. Last year, on 31st December, we were exclusive F&B partner for Star Island, which is essentially our New Year's Eve countdown, fireworks display, drone display at the floating platform. We deploy 120 people. We set up four huge booths. We, we brought the Brooks brand up front to 20,000 people. We served them beer. We served them food. That was amazing. We have never done that before. That was the first time we have executed such a big exercise. Mm. But it didn't went from zero to 120 people immediately. It went through many small success that we have. And uh, our people were so confident in doing that event well. In fact, we weren't around. We were having holidays you know, <laughs> in Italy. But it was really heartwarming to see the team telling me that, hey, Go have your holidays. We will do this event and we'll do it well. And it turned out so good. Our partners were really happy. So I think small success are important. A small success builds bigger success. We talk for you. What are the small wins that are memorable? I would say maybe going further back, we had this collaboration with Sentosa to make five beers for them called Islander Brew Series. 
that was kind of at the beginning of our effort to build big brand collaboration. We pitched the idea code to them. Thankfully for us, they liked the idea and we worked together. And for us, it was really encouraging because to be able to crack a big brand like Sentosa, who brought all their expertise into the project, was a huge encouragement. We took the beers into supermarkets. First time the Sentosa product kind of went into NTUC or cold storage. So that, you know, was, you know, our work for them. But, you know, we also got a lot of benefit through the brand association. And then kind of fast forward, last year we picked up two awards that we were quite surprised. So we picked up the Outstanding Casual Dining Experience Award from STB. If you ask if we were ever going to win a dining award five years ago, we'd probably say no, not with the kind of uh, you know restaurant or the kind of concept of food that we had. So when we were nominated, we were invited, we were called to the stage, we were like, wow, this is like, we didn't even think of it. And we had really strong peers you know, competing. The second award, we picked up Champion, medium-sized brewery of Asia at the Asia Beer Championships in Bangkok last year as well. Competing in the same category as us, you know, were breweries around the region that we practically idolize because they do their craft so well. Their storytelling is amazing. I feel like, you know, I can look at their website every day and we kind of got over them. So that was beyond the hill for us. For us, those are big wins, not exactly small wins. That came on the back of many, many small things that we started four or five years ago. I'll remind you guys of another big win, the DBS Foundation Grant Award. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) How is that going to be used to scale up your business? Yeah, sure. So the award comes with a monetary grant, which is obviously very helpful towards paying for R&D work that uh, you know we have already begun to get into to do research on how to kind of make the greens perform better, to buy machines and build the product launch and stuff like that. But the best part about the grant really is the association with DBS and to be able to leverage the full network and platform that the bank brings. Because it's very clear for us that we are not going to be able to solve this thing on our own. It's very clear to us that while we may have a few pieces of the puzzle, we probably need to get a lot more pieces. We can see some, but then the rest we can't see. And therefore, we have to get our message, our story out, what we want to do. And I think what DBS does for us, okay, is to be the platform to help us amplify what we want to do and bring in those potential collaborators, like-minded partners to come and partner and brainstorm and work with us. And I have to say that I think DBS has been tremendously generous in extending its resources, its networks, and being very deliberate about wanting to help and support uh, SME like us. So really, uh, you know, grateful and appreciative for that. And facilitating you guys being guests on the next yeah. Impact Maker. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, but on a serious note, uh, and on the last note as well from both of you, any advice to other SMEs looking to start their sustainability journey? We'll start with you, Weehang. I think that it's important to find the bearing. And while I say it's important, it's not easy. I think people trying to do this should put that as an objective. All right. So for us, I think what is unique is we embrace this 360 strategy concept in our business and somehow we just got to really believing that we are not just a restaurant brand, we are more than that. And the branding that we do put us at a higher place but it also really you know, enhance our restaurant business. All right. You ask us, why do we get into this sustainability project? Okay, while we are really you know, passionate, we also know that through this sustainability project, 
Brooks brand will be elevated. And when Brooks brand is elevated, all the things that we do get elevated. And every day when we look at the sustainability project, we don't just look at it single-mindedly and look at it and say, oh, it's not working, it's not making money and all that. We look at it as, wow, we might not be successful now, but we are already successful. We are successful because uh, this is where this project has brought us and will continue to bring us. Meanwhile, we are focusing you know, our passion on trying to make it successful. I think that having that vision it's very important. Okay? It really would help you last and help you wake up every day and continue to do it every day. Yeah, sure. So last week we had this sustainability event at TBS. So I want to draw some points that were said from that meeting. So the most SMEs poll that, you know, said that starting with sustainability is the most challenging thing. Or challenging was you know, the keyword that you know, most companies are you know, kind of surface. So I would say to that, start bite size, start small, don't try and to a big chunk, it kind of have small wins along the way. That's number one. Number two, I would say seek collaborations because the collaboration, other than drawing expertise, is a source of motivation. It's a source of encouragement to keep on, you know, going. And thirdly, the top level, the owners, the management has to believe in it. If you don't, then don't start. Okay, because you're gonna waste the time. Okay, if you do, great. Then uh, you know you're gonna have a short. So getting started, you know, can be challenging, sustaining the journey after you started can also be challenging. And there's also a possibility that you won't see the ROI. For sure, not in the beginning, maybe not in the medium term, okay? And then in the long term is a question mark depending on whether you're successful or not. So all these things is what you're going to encounter because we encounter them ourselves. So it's about persevering. It's about clearing things one step at a time at some point in time, you're going to get there. And when you get there, you will know that, wow, you have a differentiation, okay, that your peers don't have if they haven't come you know, along on the journey yet. And that differentiation in the form of, uh, you know, a product, uh, you know, a service, uh, you know, or a way of doing things is going to be that difference in your business. Thank you very much. We'll leave it there. I've been speaking to Tan Wee Han and Tan Wee Tak. The brothers who, with their youngest brother, Tanwi Lee, run Brewworks and are taking Singapore's oldest craft beer brewery into a sustainable future. Thank you for joining us. I'm Daphne Lim. This has been The Next Impact Maker.